0: But I thought, like, Bravek Valera, who I'm still not sure is a real person, <laughs> <laughs> was going to be the other guy. But... I mean, they have 900 outfielders, but most of them suck. So, Including the... Brandon Drury. <laughs> <Fair point.
1: laughs> Which season did Ricky Anderson have with the Blue Jays that you'd want to bring him back for? That's not what the question said. And welcome to episode number 159 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're getting a natural gas insert put into the hot stove. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as ever, by the uh, incomparable Joshua House. I'm Josh. How's it going? Not too bad. Good to be back. Yeah, we let we let you travel the world while we were on a brief hiatus, uh, and you've come back with a renewed passion for baseball, I assume. Sure. Yeah, that was the whole purpose <laughs> of the trip. Don't <laughs> tell a, the wife. That's why. <laughs>
0: Well, no, I did tell her. So, you know, that's, that's, I mean, <laughs> that, that's never going to be said out loud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So uh, after your travels, the Blue Jays did, right at the tail end of all that, or maybe even after you actually got back into the country, managed to do something. So they traded for Chase Anderson. Um, they cut Ryan Tapera and Devin Travis. Uh, they, uh, we did have some comments with, with Mark Shapiro. Uh, regarding specifically the Jarrett Cole thing that I keep talking about. Uh, Garrett Cole? Garrett.
0: Yeah, Garrett, not Jarrett. Yeah, sorry.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a GIF gif thing for me. I'm confused. (laughs) Uh, The the, uh, Blue Jays allowed a bunch of players to slide into uh, minor league free agency uh, because of roster situations. Uh, We had the nominated players for the Gold Glove Award, but as is difficult to win, uh, they did not win. And someone not even nominated for a postseason award was Vlad Guerrero Jr., which we have to talk about. And uh, Tony Clark gets a do-over. We'll get into why, obviously. We also, of course, have your questions mixed in there. But let's get off to the, the biggest news, which is that the Blue Jays traded to acquire a starting pitcher with Major League experience, Chase Anderson. Tell me more about Chase Anderson.
0: Well, Chase Anderson is pretty much a fourth starter type maybe maybe a fifth starter which you know puts him as the blue jays best <laughs> at the moment uh yeah he's he's pretty solid i mean he's he's not going to give you a ton of innings he's going to throw you know as you said to me right off the air as a like clockwork 150 innings and 30 starts he's going to give you that league averages production and you know he's had some good seasons he was great in 2017 and you know, like not bad in 2018. He started 2019 really rough, but then finished it a bit better. But now he, you know, at eight and a half million with a nine and a half million dollar option for next year, it's, you know, it's like a, it's a reasonable gamble that if he does pitch well, that you've got, you know, you can keep him for another year or two.
1: So the first thing I guess on my mind was why did the Brewers trade him away? Was it a money thing for them? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Because Blue Jays yeah. didn't exactly give up a huge asset.
0: Well, I think with the what's happening with the Brewers, well, yeah, the <laughs> the Jays gave up basically nothing. Um but uh I think what happened with the Brewers specifically is they are looking to make very specific upgrades to their rosters. so they had to make these cuts elsewhere. I mean they cut uh Eric Dames at seven and a half million, which he definitely seemed like he was worth that as well.
1: Hmm.
0: So I think that you know these like fringe players on their roster who are good and worth their money but they can use that money to get someone better
1: which i mean the brewers are technically a small market team and that's sort of how you'd expect a small market team who's trying to contend in a closing window to to act so it all sort of makes sense from their side
0: yeah and i guess we should mention that chad spanberger was the player that the jays traded he came over from sun one oh the year before and he struggled in double a and he's 25 i'd I'd be surprised if he's ever anything
1: uh the other thing I, i find sort of interesting about a player like chase anderson is it used to be a big deal that a starter kind of averaged five and a bit innings um and you know couldn't get really any traction beyond that although he's he's obviously able to make regular starts uh because he's he's logged you know 27 30 32 that kind of thing every year he's he's been around uh, the question being, then, is that as big a deal with the ridiculously bloated bullpen that every team seems to be carrying now and, and the, the way that relievers get used and, and, and openers get used?
0: Well, I think the answer to that is definitely no, it's not as big a deal. I mean, just as we've seen over the last couple of years, the number of pitchers who are even throwing 170, 180 innings is going way down. So a guy who's still doing 150, 160, his value has gone
1: up. Relativistically. Yeah, of course. Just wanted to use that word.
0: Oh, well, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so, I mean, about Anderson specifically, and one of the things I think drew the Blue Jays to him was that when it comes to barrels, which is, uh, for people who don't know what a barrel is, it's basically, it's a ball that leaves the bat at, 27 i think it's 27 degrees and then 95 miles an hour and then for every degree up or down you add a mile an hour to make it a barrel <clears throat> which is a ball that has a expected hit rate i think as of 800 or something like that but my i can't remember the exact numbers look it up you'll find it yourself okay
1: for all of you who, who are like you know what were all those numbers about the, the 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 short version is a barrel is a very well hit ball it's the, the exact thing a pitcher doesn't want to have on his resume
0: Right, five hundred is the is the expected batting average. Sorry, and fifteen hundred slugging percentage. So basically, a very well struck baseball, as you said. And he finished ahead of guys like Zach Grinke and Justin Verlander. So, so he's actually, he does a very good job of minimizing hard contact, which obviously is quite good.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, and so you you put you combine that with what you hope is an above average defense, and it makes him an above average pitcher. I presume exactly. You combine that with a below average defense, and you get a below average pitcher because there are more balls in play than there need to be.
0: Right. Yeah. And he finished twenty seventh in baseball in average exit velocity among pitchers who had two hundred batter balls or more. So, I mean, there is something there. Uh, You know, it's hard to say exactly. You know what that means for him coming to say a, a, de- a defense like the blue jays have <clears throat> which you know it's pretty bad or at least it has been unless they make some changes but the ballpark shouldn't be an issue because he was pitching in milwaukee who's one of the most which is one of the biggest homer parks in baseball
1: and of course the years that he's specifically limited his homer problems are the years where he has really stood out i.e the 2017 you mentioned earlier was i think the one of the lowest home run rates of his career
0: yeah, I mean, he, he is going to give up some home runs. That's just the nature of being a contact pitcher. I mean, last year, sorry, well, by twenty last year, I mean 2018, he led the league in home runs allowed. But uh, in this past season, he gave up 23, which on, on more, normal seasons might have been more. But, you know, with the super happy fun balls, it wasn't that like crazy.
1: <laughs> and but, uh, who knows if those are coming back?
0: Yeah. <laughs> As we talked about, player valuation is really hard right now. Um. One thing that's interesting, so that 2017 season where he was great, his stuff is different. Uh, over the last couple of years, his fastball has been moving horizontally. Everything he's been throwing has been moving a lot more horizontally and less vertically. Hmm. And his his curveball is moving is dropping more. So his pitch mix is ext- is a lot different. So I don't know if it means the Jays see a way to get him back to what he was before or if they just think what he's doing now is still fine
1: will I'm sure, find out in the first month whether they're actively trying to change that around or not. True. Sure. So, uh, as a result of uh, Anderson coming on board, uh, the roster uh, got all tight and crunchy, as, as they say. So Ryan Tapera and Devin Travis uh, were cut. I mean, we'll talk about Devin Travis as a sort of a bigger issue. We have a question about him as well. Um, but Ryan Tapera, are we surprised that he is no longer... Uh, an asset for the Blue Jays.
0: Uh, I am, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, given the you know, the fact that the Jays bullpen is not really it's it's not deep, that's for sure. And you know, he's projected to make one point six million in arbitration. So I was a little surprised, but at the same time, when I was looking through the roster, Devin Travis was an obvious cut. Yeah. But I thought like Breivik Valera, who I'm still not sure is a real person, <laughs> <laughs> was going to be the other guy. But no, it was Tepera who got the ax. I thought, But I thought Tepera was on the bubble.
1: Right. Because he's had enough problems being consistent compared to some of the other guys? or
0: Yeah, and he's had trouble staying healthy and his fastball velocity was down when he came back last year. So I wonder if they're just thinking he might be done.
1: Blue Jays certainly don't seem to uh, tolerate the, uh, the injury bug in a player that they can get rid of (laughs) Dalton Pompey and Anthony Alford and Ryan Tapera. It just seems like, like when they feel a guy is really hurt or chronically hurt, they don't really, once he comes off the DL, there's not a lot of love for him.
0: I mean, that could be something you say about Anthony Alford too. I included him. Oh, sorry. I, my mic must have cut out when you said that. I just heard Dalton Pompey. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that especially when they have other options at these places, it's like they'll take the guy who has shown some ability to stay on the field.
1: Um, so the other roster move that uh, would, uh, would cause some space to be limited, it was a waiver pickup. Anthony Bass, which is, I feel like that name has come up before, maybe not with the Blue Jays. Why, why would Anthony Bass be an intriguing pick off the waiver wire?
0: Well, I mean, I think he's part of the reason that Ryan DePero is gone. You know, he's a solid right-handed relief pitcher. (laughs) and uh, I think that, you know, they cut Ryan dull. So, you know, it's a very boring move. Uh Uh,
1: Can't can't wait to have all those in my rearview mirror as much as I love puns. Like it's.
0: Yeah, well, you can get some fish puns or. Yeah,
1: or guitar puns. It's it's double barreled. But no one—you can't
0: get them get puns when you're speaking. Only when you're writing, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he had a really good year last year with the Mariners out of the bullpen, three and a half ERA, almost a strikeout in the inning. But he really limited balls in play and contact. So there was some flukiness to it. But he was good the year before as well, and he had some injury issues in the past that seemed to be behind him. So. I think he's an interesting guy to be a, in the mix of the you know the six, seven inning guys. I don't think he's a back of the, the bullpen reliever, but I think it's the type of guy that's worth making a claim.
1: So as we look at all of these uh, you know limited spaces, and we'll, we'll get to the free agents. Uh, what does this mean for Matt Shoemaker, who is I assume still on the this list officially? Uh, no,
0: not officially. They had to activate all those people, which uh, is why. That's why Tepera and Travis had to go because they need to cut down to forty again. And, and as Greg mentioned, we're going to get into Travis more later. Which is, we're just—we're not just skipping him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we like but, him. Uh, Don't worry.
0: Yeah. Uh, so why, what I found very interesting is that you know the fact that Matt Shoemaker was not one of the guys who was cut mm-hmm. was that it clearly says that the Jays have at least plans to possibly bring him back. You know they'll they'll wait all the way up to the tender deadline if they have to, which I believe is the end of the month, to you know to decide whether he's coming back or not. And I would expect they're leaning towards bringing him back unless they go crazy in free agency and no longer have a spot for him. But you know at three and a half million or so, I think it's pretty much a lock that he's going to be back now. I think that kind of that him lasting through that cut down, I think makes it very likely he's returning.
1: And it does make sense. He was literally the best pitcher on the staff until he had an injury which did not affect his pitching arm. <laughs> so Yeah, and
0: he's he's supposed to be fully healthy now.
1: Which is good, because six months is sort of the, you know, the kind of, I wouldn't say expected. Six six months is a timeline that we often hear about with a torn ACL. Yeah. Uh,
0: unless you're Marcus Stroman. But, you know, he's... He was very good, and he's a guy that look. He's not going to pitch the way he pitched last year. It was like, would he give up like one and a half ERA or something like that?
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm not saying he's he's going to turn into uh, Garrett Cole. We still need to sign him for that reason. But um, the the idea that you have a, a a player who is capable of putting up an ERA that starts with a three or you know a four instead of a five or a six, um, certainly. And and he's already in the fold, and you already have an idea of what you've got with him. It's a to me, it's a no brainer.
0: Yeah, and you know this is a guy that when he was you know they they made some tweaks to his pitch mix, gone back to the you know he thrown he basically threw his more splitters in his you know again like twenty eight innings, but. Uh, I'd spoken to Ross Atkins about how they wanted to work his pitch mix. He didn't tell me what they were doing, just they were focusing on it. And they brought it back to what he was doing when he was at his best with the Angels before his arm problems came up. So, yeah, I think he's a very low-risk, high-upside play. It's cool.
1: Um, Do you want to talk about the minor league free agents first, or do you want to talk about uh, the major league free agents as mentioned by Mr. Shapiro?
0: Well, let's just get those. I mean, the minor things is kind of a small note. So let's just run through them. I think that's all right.
1: All righty. So we got to say goodbye to some folks.
0: Yes, the aforementioned Dalton Pompey is finally free to go somewhere else where he might get a chance to stay healthy and maybe get on the field somewhere. Your good buddy, Socrates Brito.
1: I'm never going to find out why Socrates' parents named him that way, am I?
0: no <laughs>
1: <laughs> And that's okay <laughs> uh danny
0: barnes also hit the minor league free agency i think his time is done and you know the other guys like matt dermody who was injured and not very good and john axford because he didn't get healthy all year last year though i could see him coming back again
1: again as yeah as as a hey if, you, if you're healthy and you're still throwing like you like you used to at all sure why not you seem to like this team and like us um, Yeah. But yeah, not, not to, not to none of those guys are going to put anybody over the top, I don't think. No. Buffalo Bison's MVP, Socrates Brito, I would just like to emphasize one more time. Possibly I was just
0: waiting for you to mention that again. The most just...
1: <laughs> unlikely thing <laughs> from a trivia standpoint that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, uh, you haven't heard me talk enough about uh, Garrett Cole, so we're going to let t- Mark Shapiro talk about garrett cole and wooing free agent uh now was he yeah. on is this uh yeah I'll um, okay go ahead yeah so this was from the lead off which is the
0: morning show on the fan 590 uh, ashley docking and and uh, scott MacArthur were hosting and ashley docking jokingly but semi-seriously said you know outline your offer for garrett cole <laughs> and then he went on jokingly a bit and then he said well we're gonna play here
1: it is one minute long, folks, so put your feet up and uh relax and uh yeah. unless you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Fair. Uh you know, do you do you uh Mark Shapiro on wooing Garrett Cole.
2: You know, players do as they go into a situation, they have all of the things that are important to them. They look at geography, they look at uh, what the, how that aligns with their personal situation, and their family. They look at spring training and where that you know location right. is. They look at competitiveness of team. Um, they look at you know division and and the landscape that they would play in. So. You know it it takes an alignment of interests uh, as well as dollars. I think dollars are not going to be our challenge, Ashley, which hasn 't always been the case it 's going to be you know where we fit uh, with garrett 's alignment of interest and and how does that how does that align same thing with every free agent we pursue what i 'm confident is that throughout the free agency process, we'll be able to get better this winter uh, and we'll have the resources to do it and who we align with from this winter and in the next two or three winters as, as it gets even more crucial uh, is just going to continue to grow. You know, players do... There we area. So, he
1: packed a lot into that one minute. Sure did.
0: You can go. Would you like to okay, get
1: your you thoughts didn't... on it first? First of all, he didn't say no at all. Cole didn't dismiss him out of hand, which is which is a lot tougher talk than um than he has had about free agents in the past uh,
0: and just before you move on from that, so the parts that were not included in this, he talked up Garrett Cole as the type of rare breed that rarely makes it to free agency he's and, right and like the, and, the, and the type <laughs> of pitcher who can really like stay healthy and eat up innings, which is not very common, so he did seem very enamored with the idea of Garrett Cole
1: um number two there, he talked like he had money to spend. Uh, specifically to make the team better in free agency. And he talked like he was going to do it this year, but also going forward over the next couple of years. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bottomless pit of money, but again, it certainly is a more optimistic tone than we had heard before the playoffs were completed. Um, And then he's also talking about, uh, well, fit. And I think, I guess the part that he gets to gloss over uh, is ultimately fit is a winning team so you have to put some players on the team or you have to put some kind of a system in place to convince cole that he's going to be playing for a contender in the course of that contract sooner rather than later and that's i would agree with him a tough sell with the roster you have right now
0: yeah but i also don't really i mean history tends not to agree with that (laughs) too much I mean. Yes, players want to be happy where they're going to be. They, have to, they want to go to a good team over a bad team. But I think especially when you're playing at the upper reaches of free agency, history has shown that when you're setting records, if you set the record, they'll go to you.
1: Yeah, I agree. I just don't think... At Shapiro, you want to say, I'm gonna make the record offer for
0: (laughs) Well, but that comes back to the idea that like he says like it's not gonna be dollars. Well, I think it will be. I mean, Garrett Cole is gonna set the record for a pitcher this year. Like that's that's just going to happen. And it's just a matter of whether the Jays are willing to be the team that offers eight years and 250 million or sixty million or whatever it is. You know, if no one else is willing to do it. I think if the Jays have the best offer, he will come to Toronto.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think I think some of his other comments <clears throat> apply more to players like you said, who aren't at the very top of free agency. Guys, yes, who but- are looking for, but again, money talks. I, I agree. O- over top of everything else, it's, it's yeah. Why- but I mean,
0: money is, is the driver of ninety nine percent of free agency decisions. I mean, there are these things that he's talking about. But, you know, I do think that in the case of Garrett Cole, the Jays really want to get Garrett Cole. They can get Garrett Cole. But what I found interesting about this whole thing is, you know, he didn't, you know, like when he was talking last year about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, he basically said ain't going to happen.
1: Mm
2: uh-huh. hmm.
0: And he was like, yeah, when you're giving a contract to a player like that, you know, they are setting the tone for your franchise and they, you know, they have to make sure the player you want to be this year, it was like, yeah, Garrett Cole is everything you want in a pitcher. So I don't know. Maybe they will try. It did sound like he was definitely laying the groundwork for don't expect it, but uh, we're going to give it a shot.
1: This, this team is only committed to what, like $40 million worth of payroll.
0: Yeah, so if you include all the arbitration guys that are still on the roster, so Tapera and Travis are gone, they're projected at about fifty-eight million dollars plus, you know, filling out the roster at six hundred thousand dollars a player.
1: That's nothing for this team, right?
0: Right, And I think that that get into gets into the other stuff you were saying there, but like they're going to be active in free agency. I mean, they have so much money to spend,
1: and it's going to be a embarrassing. and be problematic, um, for their PR, uh, you know, with, with the next CBA coming up, if they end up in the, you know, well, we only spent 85 to $95 million in 2019. Cause we just didn't see the players that we wanted. That's, I, I just, I can see it happening, but at the same time, it's like, that That's not going to fly with anybody, not a team that three, four years ago, was easily spending $165 million a year on payroll and and doing just fine with the TV deal and the tickets that they sold.
0: Right. And that's kind of the interesting thing there too, right? So say you know, with the number I just threw out there, $60 million or so, sixty, call it $65 million after the 600, you know, the minimum yeah. roster guys are thrown in. You spend another $65 million and that's only $130 million, which is below where they've been you could get Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler and a center fielder for that. Yep. Now they won't, but I wouldn't be surprised if they actually, the way he's talking, if they go and get a couple of good arms, maybe a Zach Wheeler or Hyunjin Ryu or, you know, whoever. I mean, there's a, there's a few guys in that, in that range that are available right now. But one thing that the other thing that did become interesting there is that we started at the end of very end of that clip, where he said the next couple of years where it's like more of a thing. I do worry that there might be some deferring of roster building to when they're ready, but when the market might not have the pieces that you need.
1: And I think that's why GMs get paid a significant amount of money for what they do is because when you screw up on that deferral, you get fired. Yeah. And I honestly, if they're not in the playoffs two years from now, they're going to get fired. Both Shapiro and Atkins. You and I both know that, I think.
0: Well, Atkins will. Shapiro will not get fired if he's still making money hand over fist for Rogers.
1: I, I still think this regime, well, they're not going to be making money hand over fist if, if they are not in the playoffs because that stadium is going to look like it did in 2008.
0: That's true. One of the thing, interesting things though is both Shapiro and Atkins' contracts are up after this season.
1: Bah, so there's a long off season left, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. But so I think that they might have a longer leash than it sounds like, or at least Shapiro will, because I don't think anyone expects him to make the most season postseason next year. No. And then he'll have to renew.
1: Yeah. Right, anyway. It was
0: was, an interesting chat. It was just not the kind of things that he usually says, so I thought it was worth highlighting some of these things. There was a lot
1: less hedging of the bets in that one minute than most of his whole appearances have.
0: Yeah, the the alignment of interest thing was just still kind of like a fun quote that's going around on Twitter because the alignment of interest is usually... You, will you pay me the money? Yes, I'll pay you the money. I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was it was an interesting chat. You should actually go listen to the whole interview too because he talked about – it's a, it's a posted on the Fan 590s page or Sportsnet 590. He talked about uh, labor relations and he actually suggested that the payers, players should get paid more early, which was shocking to hear from someone on the baseball side of things. But it was a really good interview, so go listen to it.
1: All right, uh, we also had uh, a major award uh, not handed out to us uh, in the Blue Jays land. Uh, do, 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 who is, oh, uh, Jansen and Smoke were both nominated for Gold Gloves and neither of them won. I feel yeah. like it, that happens a lot in Blue Jays land. I was always surprised when, when Marcus Stroman or uh, Ari Dickey would win one. <laughs>
0: Now, the interesting thing about there smoke being nominated is, you know, that fits with his reputation. But Jansen, coming into the year, Danny Jansen was offensive catcher, needs to work on his defense. It was the opposite. (laughs) He scored well on framing, blocking. He threw well enough. And his offense wasn't very good, but showed signs. So he looks like a much better catching prospect than he actually did before, I
1: think. Which is a weird spot to develop your catching on the Major League team with Major League pitching. It's, yeah, it's not where you expect a catcher to blossom, really. Yep. We will hopefully see the bat going forward. And then in the surprises of the year, the surefire lock preseason rookie of the year candidate, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. didn't even get nominated.
0: Yeah. Neither did Eloy Jimenez. Like if you told people before the season, it'd be Eloy Jimenez and, and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Fighting it out for the rookie of the year. They'd have been like, well, yeah, of course. And neither of them made it. It was, uh, so the nominees were Brandon Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. Not Nate Lowe, who spells his name the same way. John Means, the pitcher for the Orioles. And the obvious winner, Yotana Alvarez.
1: I may not have watched enough baseball to know who two of those people were last year. Yeah, I'm but not really surprised. That's on me. <laughs> They're both in the AL East, too. Yeah, that's that's how much it's on me. Uh, I promise to be better if the team's slightly better. I do. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm i kind of sad, though, that, that they didn't even, you know, Vlad didn't even make the nomination. It's uh, maybe a little, little reality check that I didn't need right now.
0: But maybe one that he needed. You know, apparently he's doing a really good job You know, in his offseason w- workouts, which Shapiro also talked about in that interview. And there was a video that came out the there gave him jumping rope, and he looked a lot skinnier. So, you know, comes back. I feel like your
1: sophomore year. season is too early to show up to camp in the best shape of your life. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> if you show up the way he did for his rookie season, it
0: makes sense.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, I guess best shape of your life is always relative. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to come back with your questions, and then uh, we're going to hit up uh, our favorite Labour representative, Tony Clark, for a do-over. We'll see you in a minute. We have returned. And there is nothing that I'm happier about returning to than your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That
2: just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. How does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please?
1: Uh, Okay. I'm going to go off book here with the first question from uh, Rallycap. At Rallycap. From Andy, he asks, What's your favorite Futurama episode?
0: So this came about because the... The gif from the, the tweet or well, the question tweet had a Futurama thing in it. Do you have an answer?
1: I was first going to say the one where the professor has good news for everybody, but that was probably. <laughs> um, <No. laughs> so uh, I'm going to say the one where um, Fry goes to live in Bender's apartment um, and uh, then the it's a tiny little closet. And then uh, he gets frustrated and decides that he wants to, he's okay with living in Bender's closet, which turns out to be a massive full size apartment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, it, it's early Futurama. I didn't really keep up with it, but that that cracked me up.
0: I'll say Amazon Women in the Mood.
1: That's that by Snoo Snoo? My- is that?
0: Well, just to the, you win again, Gravity. I love that line. <laughs>
1: All right. Apparently, we have favorite future of a not whole episodes, but. Yeah,
0: but it's actually a really good episode all along,
1: all the way through. All right. Uh, would you like to read the baseball question we have there next? Yeah, sure. Fine.
0: <laughs> 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 from Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt Brandon Jury is protect- projected to get $2.5 million in arbitration. This is, again, from MLB Trade Rumors. If this is correct, would you bring him back?
1: Sure. Why not? You need someone to be a kicking uh target for the fan base. Yes, that. the thing
0: is I don't think his salary really matters so much. I mean, two and a half million, given what we talked about before, with the number of pay yeah. the amount they have on their payroll doesn't really make a difference. So I think for Brendan Drury it all comes down to whether they need the roster spot or not. Right now they don't. I mean they have nine hundred outfielders, but most of them suck. So, including tw- Brandon
1: Drury <laughs> <Fair
0: point>. <laughs> <laughs> with the 26 man roster, having a guy who can play multiple positions isn't the worst idea.
1: Okay, um, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans, six, but you knew that already, asks, What is your biggest do over of the baseball postseason?
0: Well, I mean, you have to take most of this because I was, you know, on my honeymoon for <laughs> almost all of it. I saw two games in the World Series. And I guess the do-over from those two games was not bringing in Garrett Cole after Osuna got them out of the seventh and letting him go back out when he was struggling. So that's the
1: do-over. My biggest do-over is whatever that shambles of an attempted apology was by the Houston Astros. Well, no. First of all, the attempted smear of the journalist and then the inevitable attempt at apologizing and just everything. Dear Houston Astros, be better.
0: (laughs) yeah i totally agree with that i didn't even really consider that part of the postseason but i guess it was during the postseason so yeah that's
1: easy winner easy easy <laughs> just do everything over uh yeah. at baseball her Ballher asks what's your favorite devin travis memory you go first i had to frantically google it because i remembered what aspect of it and then i went what actually happened because i want to get this right devin travis uh got a base hit off of Araldus chapman which doesn't sound like much, but if you look at the base hit that he got, um, his his at bat went foul tip on a hundred and one mile an hour fastball, ball on a hundred and one mile an hour fastball, foul on a hundred one mile an hour fastball, foul on a hundred and three mile an hour fastball, ball on a hundred and three mile an hour fastball, and an RBI single on a hundred and two mile an hour fastball. So, uh, mad respect to Devin Travis for hanging in against what must have been the most disturbing amount of of heat he had seen to that point in his career, uh, back when Arothos Trackman regularly broke 101 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, for me, it's going to go back to the 2015 and that uh, the Grand Slam, they hit off Trevor Bauer <clears throat> against the against the Cleveland Indians. The Jays actually ended up losing the game somehow. <laughs> they were up six to one and then they gave up seven runs because that was the 2015 Blue Jays for the first half, <laughs> thanks Drew Hutchison. But that was sort of the moment. Because it, it was a shot to, like, to left center at Cleveland, which is actually, with the gigantic fence, is a pretty big home run. And that was sort of the, wow, this guy might actually really be for real aspect to it, which made the rest of everything that happened with him so heartbreaking. But, you know, he was really, really good at the beginning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we both remember him with the bat in his hands, I think is, uh, is telling right there. Because he could have, I, I think he really could have been a special bat at second base without the injuries, which is a shame.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's another sort of Travis thing he, in our questions, but I think now is the time, to, I think, to sort of talk about this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Devin Travis, we'll talk about the baseball part of him first. I mean, his first two seasons as a pro, in mean, 163 games, so it's basically a full season, he hit .301 three, with a three forty two on base and a four sixty nine slugging. You know, a guy who they got for someone who was never going to make the major leagues really again. Anthony goes, and he looked like he was the guy who was going to take them. You know, be their starting second baseman on two playoff teams, right? I mean, he he he, got, he missed the second half of 2015, and then he was there, and then had to come out in the ALCS in 2016, which was just so heartbreaking.
1: I think heartbreaking is like the word that comes up over and over again with Devin Travis because. um You know, he was was not heavily favored as a rookie or or anything like that. There were a lot of people who were skeptical of his ability. And it was clear that when he had a good pair of legs under him, he really understood how to handle a bat, how to make contact, how to make uh, solid contact. Before he had, you know, the injuries kept on going, he actually had a a decent eye as well in terms of, of taking his walks. And... That was pretty cool because it had been kind of thin out there at second base for a while.
0: Yeah, and then you know this is where I said we start with the baseball. Then it just became you really got the sense of how much it was affecting him. All the press conferences where he had to go out and say he had the latest injury and the latest surgery and and done for the year, done for the year, done for the year. It just got so hard to watch because he was just one of the nicest, most genuine people too.
1: Yeah, I mean – it, it, every story I've heard about Devin Travis is about how generous he was, how how much of a positive attitude he had, how, uh, how that smile on his face really did reflect his his perspective on life and everything else. Like, why why is the good Lord beating up on Devin Travis when he's when he's clearly you know not asking for it?
0: Yeah, he's one of the good guys, and yeah. So, you well, know, we obviously I, mean, I think I can speak for you too, but we hope that he gets healthy and he catches on somewhere else and he can continue his career.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. It would be absolutely awesome. Um, He hand wrote a note to the Blue Jays fans and to Canada. um, And that was up on his Twitter. And uh, first of all, it's very neat printing, puts me to shame. (laughs) Uh, But it was very, very personal um, that he really enjoyed playing for a country. And I know a lot of players have said that. But I think he really took it to heart, and he, he really was honored to put on the uniform. And that is, in a lot of ways, all you can ask of a player who comes to an organization is, is that he feels um, like he's he's doing something um, worth putting on a specific uniform for.
0: Yeah, I totally agree.
1: So all the best to you, Devin Travis. Uh, may your viral notebook go with you to happier pastures. We have another question from Quinn Sweetser. Quinn, uh, will Charlie Montoyo still be the manager by the next time the Blue Jays make the playoff? Yes, it's a hard yes.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to get a chance to get them there. I don't think, like, I think he'll get them to you know squeak squeak in and maybe. You know, if they take a step back the next year, then he'll go. But I think he's going to get a, a, a run. So if, if if I'm thinking the Jays are going to make the postseason in the next two to three years, I think he'll be at the helm.
1: I think Charlie Montoyo is Atkins and Shapiro, Shapiro's guy.
0: You yeah, I mean, he definitely is. I mean, I, I spoke to Ross Atkins before the season last year, and he was effusive in his praise of of Charlie Montoyo and talked about him... Bringing some things to players, like you know, pl- the way players thought of him, that John Gibbons did not.
1: And I think when you get to that point of having a guy and believing in a guy and everything else, um, this is not an organization that is run l- like you know Peter Angelos or or George Steinbrenner in the old days or anything like. That. I don't think there are any knee jerk decisions to get rid of a a manager from on high here, right? Because of the corporate ownership. So I think, he, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's going to be around for a while.
0: Okay. Next question from Gideon Turk. What could the Blue Jays do to align their interests with those of Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg?
1: I do not have the show me the money clip from Jerry Maguire queued up, but perhaps I should have done that. <laughs> um, I do think that, um, that having other pieces in place like a fleshed out roster is probably not going to hurt. Um, No, absolutely
0: not. I mean, all things being equal financially, the Jays are not where someone's coming. Yeah. But I think you can sell something of a future, especially if you're making other moves, like say, look, it's not going to happen, but say the Jays went and signed Zach Wheeler Uh and then they go to Garrett Cole. Hey, you want to come join this guy and shoemaker and Nate Pearson and, you know, and whatever. And then Vlad Guerrero and Bo Bichette. I think that that's a sale a sell you can make, but you know I, I think they,
1: that it's tougher not a, without the money. Yeah, I don't think there's a huge discount or anything there. It's just no, no. You're making a case that you're ready sooner rather than later. If you if you go to him and go, well, you're going to be the centerpiece. We're going to build around you. He's going to be like, well, look, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a rookie, right. Okay, Kate Stanwick. At okay, Stan, would you would your thank you for everything be a screenshot from your notes app or a photo of a handwritten letter?
0: Uh, we're a podcast, so it would be an audio clip.
1: Uh, I was going to go with the uh, the puffy sky writing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could only be seen by people who happened to be outside at the time.
1: It would literally. I could only afford thank you forever, and that would probably be about. <laughs> about all i could get but you know it would be heartfelt <laughs> we if you're the pilot what do we got a pilot so you got to be
0: writing it <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what then
0: it really would be it's like that means you went and took pilot's lessons just so you could say thank you
1: exactly that's my level of commitment to these people. <laughs> what's next
0: from rob coats at coats rob 33 where would you put the chances of a major stadium announcement by the organization this off season?
1: Uh, If by major stadium announcement, you mean significant renovation, uh, I'm maybe 30% chance. They probably would have announced it by now if it was going to be big, because it's going to take some time. If you mean by building a stadium, zero percent.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it means building a stadium. I think it means what you said, that the renovations that Shapiro has constantly talked about being in the works I think you're right. I think it's 20, 25 percent, 30 percent, somewhere on there. Definitely not more likely than not.
1: Indeed. Colleen Evans brings us the second question. At Colleen Evans 6 says, why do you think Luke Mele is still on the Blue Jays roster? I think it's because,
0: well, two reasons. One, they might be willing to trade one of their young catchers, McGuire or Jansen, in the right deal because they're both pretty good. But I also think it's because I, I'm pretty sure Luke Mele still has an option. And having a third string catcher in the in Buffalo, who is Luke Maley is not a bad idea. And he's like he's going to get eight hundred thousand in arbitration. It's like that's nothing.
1: I accept your answer as perfectly legitimate. What do you want to that, you, do? You want to hit me with the last question?
0: Yeah, I was say he could get non tendered though. I mean, it's like, <laughs> he's still he's still on the bubble. Okay, so last question from Kevin Cichran or Cichran. I'm sorry if I am saying that. Well, I'm definitely saying it wrong. One of the two ways. At Kevin Chase four. Which retired former Blue Jay would you bring back in their prime to add to the coming season's
1: potential roster? So the temptation to pick a starting pitcher here is high. Yep, I feel like Dave Steve would really fit in well here, or bad. Jimmy Key. Ooh,
0: Jimmy Key, my boy, my favorite.
1: <laughs> I know you and I both love Jimmy Key. Um, but I'm going to let you pick the pitcher because you're the pitcher. I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to say Sean Green. Cool. Does this team Why don't you need... pick
0: another corner outfielder?
1: Because this team needs one that can, I don't know, hit 45 bombs.
0: <laughs> I like it. It's not, it's not a bad one. It's Ricky Henderson? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, look. <laughs> Which season did Ricky Henderson have with the Blue Jays that you'd want to bring him back for?
0: That's not what the question said. It said bring them back in their
1: prime. Uh, I feel like we're going to get a qualifier question next week <laughs> related Whatever. to this question.
0: I'm reading it as it is. The hitter answer is Ricky Henderson. The pitcher answer is Roger Clemens.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like you're staying on the chart with Roger Clemens, but I'm not 100% the- sure about the Ricky Henderson one. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, we have one more thing to do.
2: All right. What would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them, stenanks. That could be worthy of a do-over.
1: I can't believe we got Tony Clark to do the actual stinger there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos uh, was quoted in an interview. And do you, did you find the quote finally? Yeah, I did. All right. So...
0: So it's a long article written by uh, David O'Brien for The Athletic. And at the end of it, uh, this is from a conference call, but this is where, where it came out. Anthopolis said, quote, every day you get more information and we've had time to connect with 27 of the clubs, obviously the Astros and Nationals being in the World Series, they were tied up. But we had a chance to get a sense of what the other clubs are going to look to do in free agency who might be available in trades. Okay. Uh, from that, <laughs> Tony Players Clark. Association, yep. Tony Clark <laughs> issued a statement, a press release. The statements made by Brave GM Alex Anthopoulos call into question the integrity of the entire free agent system. The clear description of club coordination is egregious, and we have launched an immediate investigation looking into the matter.
2: Now,
1: I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to say that if you were going to admit to collusion, you would say we had discussed how free agency is going to go among the clubs
0: yeah i mean for anyone who's reading this it seems pretty clear that Anthopoulos was saying generally he talked to teams about trades and it's like and they, and they might have said no we're going to try to look to free agency first before we make a trade that kind of discussion well, I... not oh yeah we're going to go after <laughs> garrett cole and offer him six years and 146 million you know, like you know the kind of thing that tony clark suggests was happening
1: If teams are not permitted to discuss free agency and trades (laughs) in a general context, what conversation can they possibly have with one another? Like, how would how would anything get done?
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, there has to be some transparency in your conversation. If you just if you make an offer and teams like, uh, you know, let me think about it for seven weeks. Well, I, <laughs> I weigh my other options it doesn't really do anything. It's like, yeah, we want to see what we can get in free agency before we start looking at trades. That's pretty rational. It's you know, it's not collusion. Now, I'm not saying there is no collusion. No, there certainly could be, especially because of some of the craziness with guys getting all identical offers on the same day, a week before spring training. But I don't think this is evidence of it.
1: No, because it, it just, it, it's the one time when you wouldn't have to admit to anything that was untoward when you're asked a question about what you've been doing so far in the off-season. Well, we've been colluding. Like, you don't, you don't have to say anything incriminating. And, of course, Anthopolis was asked to clarify, and he did clarify. he It, it just shot. like, what do you think an investigation is going to find out here as the players? Uh, Association. That's the part that I'm just like. It seems a bit of a waste of your resources here because you can dig all you want, but you're it, it, now that the fire has been lit under Anthopolis, Is any other GM going to come to you and go, "Oh yeah, we talked a lot about free agency."
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's clearly just just evidence of the divide between the players' association and baseball right now. But it's just, It's just silly.
1: Yep. So, dear Tony Clark. Uh, we prescribe one chill pill <laughs> <laughs> in order that you may relax and, and understand that unfortunately GMs are going to talk to one another and they're going to talk about whether or not something in free agency is in the way of the transaction that they're trying to make. And they're they're gonna do it all the time and you're never gonna know about it. So you should And it's
0: allowed. It's not yeah. it's it's not a problem. You're just not allowed to discuss specific free agents and, and what you're gonna do with them. <laughs>
1: Seems pretty straightforward. Uh, you get another go at it because you've got this whole off season and a whole bunch of free agents to wait on signing. So, good luck, Tony. We're uh, we're pulling for you, and maybe you can figure it out. Yeah. Well, it feels like forever. But do you have a final thought for me?
0: I do. So, the Pirates are looking for a GM. Apparently, two candidates are Ben Charrington and Tony LaCava. <laughs> So, the Jays front office might be getting raided a little bit. I think that. Chari- the, so, Charrington turned down. Actually, both Charrington and LeCavin turned down the Orioles job in the past. Hmm. But, but Charrington specifically turned down because he wanted to build a team from the ground up. The Pirates <laughs> are the ground up right now. That organization is in shambles.
1: Yeah. The Pirates are underground, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, so, so you're waiting for the the inevitable uh erosion of the blue jays talent in the front office
0: well i don't know about waiting but just it's something that might be worth paying attention to because you know charrington is very well regarded so and so is Lacava. so either of them being taken away from the jays front office would be a loss
1: um i am not saying that the blue jays were the reason that the um the washington nationals won the world series but the last out was recorded by former Blue Jay Daniel Hudson, who was traded to the Washington Nationals mid-season. So I think, I think as uh, Blue Jay fans, we can we can sort of hang our hat on that and uh, and really, uh, really know that we made a difference right at the end of the World Series, which are of course the most critical outs. Because if you don't get the last out of the World Series, where are you really?
0: You're the Houston Astros.
1: Ah, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to leave it right like that. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And you have been listening to episode number 159 of the Artificial Turf Wars on the Big Heads Podcast Network. And we will talk at you in a couple weeks, unless, of course, something magical happens, in which case, we'll be back soon.